If you'd open to uh, Acts chapter 18, thank you, Sister Noreen. We appreciate that timely update. This is stuff you have to know. I know, we took time out of preaching the Word of God, right? Is that important? This is stuff you have to know. Um, uh, there was one more uh, uh, kind of, I don't want to be announcing <laughs> forever, but someone was asking me, uh, so how do you know when we're going to move to Saturday? Well, well, we'll put it on the church uh, webpage and also we'll uh, Facebook, and most of you guys get the Facebook alert, so that's how we'll do it. And then if you don't know somebody who's not on Facebook, you make the call and let them know as well. Uh, there's one more thing. We have an opportunity, Sister Noreen will tell you about that as well, to uh, minister to Goodwill Hinckley. Look like in the form of a man, man, because it's young men, and they're going to need a firm hand of a man going down and teaching a Bible study. And it looks like it'll take place on Sunday afternoon. This is resonating your heart as I speak. You probably want to speak to me because I'm perfectly one willing. I feel like I'm capable, and I feel I, I get kind of excited about this. But I, I'm thinking like, well, no, if God's, you know, I'll give you first dibs is what I'm trying to say. So, you know. Um, that's enough said on that. So Acts chapter 18. Let's pray. Our Father God, as uh, we look into your holy word, we pray your holy blessing. I want you to illumine our, our understanding. Open our eyes we might see wondrous things from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. After what things? The Mars Hill uh, discourse. We looked at that uh, at length last week. Many hail that as Paul's sin qua non. Is this is this is Paul just incredibly? Uh, I, I respectfully disagree. I think it amounted to nothing more than a TED talk. And I say that it's you know it's hard to say you know Paul you know the greatest one of the most spiritual men, one of the greatest apologists who ever lived. I think it was a swing and a miss, frankly. And I I get that from he doesn't ever do anything like that again. And I think he said, boy, that didn't work out really good. And I think he said so in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, he's going to Corinth. So when he writes to the Corinthians, he's not in Corinth anymore because he wouldn't write to them, he'd speak to them. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says this, And I, brethren, when I came to you, he's rehearsing, he said, back when I came to you, remember that? It was not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Why, Why wasn't it in grand speech? He He's a speaker. I mean, he, he, he was trained in rhetoric and all that. Uh, he was trained in wisdom. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's like the smartest guy in any room you've ever been in, okay? It would be Paul the Apostle, uh, by half. Uh, he says, no, nah, I, I, I tried it. It didn't work. Forget about it. And we see at the end of the, uh, Athens, the uh, ministry, there's no church in Athens. I think he tried to build it on wisdom. He was in a place where they respected wisdom. I don't think God's going to bless your wisdom. He's going to bless my wisdom. I'm not saying be stupid. I'm saying preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if you look at Mars Hill, he doesn't mention Jesus. He alludes to him, but he doesn't mention the name Jesus Christ. He doesn't mention the blood. He doesn't mention the cross. Can you lead somebody to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ outside of the cross? All the things he says, I agree with. He's, there's nothing he says that is wrong, but you can agree with all those things and still not be saved. Study it out for yourself. So uh, he says uh, in 1 Corinthians, I didn't come with uh, excellent speech or wisdom, declaring 
declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. All I wanted to do was tell you about Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. And so now let's go back to Acts chapter 18, Paul at Corinth. Uh, he found a certain Jew at Corinth, that is. He's from Athens to Corinth. He found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because the, uh, that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. When did this happen? We're not exactly sure. Circa A.D. 49. Uh, so the, the emperor at the time, Claudius, he'd commanded, okay, all the Jews out of Rome. You're a bunch of troublemakers anyway. Uh, he didn't like Jewish people. And so they all had to leave. And so the, this couple here, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, they end up in Corinth, and Paul runs into them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought by their occupation. They were tent makers. So your occupation, is that important? Oh, of course. I think that's what God has given us all. Uh, I think it's where he wants us to do our ministry. I think it's where he wants us to serve him with our one sterling uh, work ethic, with our, with, our, with our honorable... I mean, listen, you got to remember, work is before the fall. He gave uh, Adam and Eve, okay, here's a garden, go ahead. And, now, there's no weeds at this point. There's no, you know, uh, uh, thorns and thistles, right? But he says, here, this is honorable. I want you to plant the garden. I want you to grow it. I want you to... So work predates the fall. Now... Because of the fall, we, we still work, but now it's by the sweat of our brow that we, we earn our bread. So work is affected by the curse, but it predates it. Remember that. So work is honorable. Uh, it's, it's, uh, my dad was a hard-working guy. I think he was a workaholic, actually, but he was a hard-working guy. And, and I think it served me well. I think that's a benefit. I think if your dad was like that, I know a lot of you guys are workers. We have... You know, work days around here, everyone shows up, rolls up their sleeves, and people do a prodigious amount of work in a little amount of time. I, I, I like that. You know, New England kind of has a work ethic. I think all those things are good. Well, Paul's a worker. He's a, he's a tent maker. You say, I thought he was like a rabbi or something. Right, right. Um, but he's also a tent maker. Um, we see that people sometimes have more than one well, your humble pastor is this guy. <laughs> I would like to be a full-time pastor. It hasn't materialized yet. So what do I do? Well, I'm a construction worker. Blue collar. Okay? I, I, I like that. You know, Jesus was blue collar guy. Right? We always talk about that around here. Right? Carhartt tunic. Steel toe sandals. Weren't afraid to get his hands dirty at all. He was a builder. Now, he's a carpenter, and I think that's holy, and I don't want to cast aspersions on his incredible character. I think he'd be an electrician if they had a, you know, Han yes, he would, uh, because the light of the world would definitely be an electrician, okay, like, like me, like Tom. But carpenters are very cool. That's, that's very, very I, I think it's very honorable, wonderful. Uh, and so sometimes you have to do other things because he, he's, he's with uh, 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 Aquila and Priscilla making tents to supplement his income so he can preach the gospel. I know a little bit about that. 
I know a little bit about that. And we call it, by the way, if you're in the ministry and you're uh, not deriving your salary from the ministry, you're, you're doing something else besides. We call it tent making, even if you're not making tents, from this verse, okay? You remember uh, this time last year, I came in and I had my ridiculous high visibility, you know, paraphernalia on. Because I, kind of, I was working down the street. I'd leave, I'd come over here, I'd have the service, and I'd go back to work on a Sunday. You're saying, really? I didn't want to. Sometimes you have to do that. And sometimes that's a lot in life. And that's fine. Um, I, like I say, I wish, I wish this was my full-time, because I wish I could give you full-time. I wish I could, I could always be there. And I wish I could really work the Bible. I wish I could really you know, pull out of it the things. And I look back, by the way, when I was doing that. I was working seven days a week and 12 hours or more a day. And I, I look, at, look at back on that, and I look at some of the sermons I was teaching. I agreed with everything I said. I always do. But it was kind of true, but not fresh. God wasn't speaking into my life like new and not new truth, just fresh. You know how it is? He leads us beside the, the still waters. Green pastures, verdant, lush, because that's who God is. And I felt like, boy, you were really getting the fuzzy end of the lollipop during that time. I was off working all the time, and I wish it wasn't so. But wishing, and, you know, there you are. And I don't mind. I don't mind working two full-time jobs. I mean, you know, whatever God has for me, that's, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not one to complain that way. It's not about the money. It never was. I mean, um, for years we ministered here and we were regular givers, but we never even get so much as a, anything. I mean, uh, any kind of compensation whatsoever. So it, it was never about the money, you understand. But I, I, still wanna, I still have bills like everybody else, so I still have to work. And if I don't receive my money here, I receive it like a full-time job. So like I say, you know, what are we going to do? But that, I'm just mentioning, I'm not trying to lay guilt, and it's not about that or anything like that. So he reasoned, so he's, he meets up with these. And we see these couple, by the way, four times in Scripture. And the only time you ever see a woman's name mentioned before a guy, I mean, it's just, it was, it's not bad. It's just not biblical, okay? We have friends who we call like, the woman's name first and then the guy's name. It's usually because he's very quiet and she's very outgoing. And they kind of end up like, you know, you know Jill and Jack instead of, you know, Jack and Jill. It, there's nothing wrong with that. And here in Scripture we see uh, twice uh, we see Prisca or Priscilla and Aquila. And two times we see Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, I, 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 just one of those little... Now you can amaze your friends with that Bible trivia. I don't, I don't have anything to say more about it than that, right? And he, so here they are, they're all hanging out together. Does he lead them to the Lord? Do they know Jesus already? I don't know. It doesn't really say. But they're believers at this point anyway. And he reasoned. So now he's in Corinth, right? And you know how he walks. You know his MO. He goes to the synagogue and he preaches the gospel. And so he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews of the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, remember he left them there. He went on to Athens himself and he was waiting there. He preached the gospel at Mars Hill. They still hadn't come. So now he heads down. A, and no doubt he gives like, you know, hey, you know, tell the brothers, you know, I went down to Corinth here. Uh, so they finally come from Macedonia, northern Greece, right? Uh, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. That's his heart. That's what he's all about. That's what he's trying to show everybody. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, that's a sad verse. Let's pause about how sad that is. People do that all the time. 
Hey, his salvation, free gift of God. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here is God's dramatic love to you. Nah, no thanks. <sighs> really? <laughs> Are you, really? And we see it all the time. Isn't that just so sad? Well, they opposed themselves, and they blasphemed. He shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. Henceforth I will go to the Gentiles. He shook his raiment. He's like shaking the dust off your raiment. It's like shaking the dust off your shoes. It's saying, okay, that's the way you want it. And Jesus had said, he sent the 72 out to all the different uh, villages. And he says, you know, preach the gospel, share the good news. And if they won't have anything to do with you, shake the dust off as a testimony against them. Because when the Jews are traveling abroad and they came back into the Holy Land, they shook the Gentile dust off. and like, your dust doesn't even belong in our, in our, on our holy soil is the idea. Is that anywhere to be found in Scripture that you're supposed to do that? Of course not. It's... It's racism, if you ask me. You're not quite as good as we are. God doesn't love you like he loves us. Here, have your Gentile dirt back. We don't need it in our, in our holy land. Uh, really? Wow, what a wonderful statement to make. And Jesus says, give them a taste of their own. That when you shake the dust off your sandals, they'll understand what you're saying. And here, Paul's doing that. It's an insult. Oh, you really, you're going to blaspheme? You're going to oppose Jesus? Well, your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean. Um, from, from now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. I, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of being clean because uh, you remember in Ezekiel, he says, I've, I've set you as a watchman. Go and tell them. And if you don't, their blood's going to be on your head. But if you tell them, and they say, forget about it. Well, that's okay, because you told them, and their blood is on their head. Right? I don't agree with that. Who'd argue, right? I want to, I want to, Ezekiel set for a watchman to the nation Israel. It's biblical. There's not really any debate about that. You set for a watchman for America. Hmm, you say. I want to I go easy here. When God tells you to do something, please do it, because it's, it's the only way you really... I, I've, I've been to the point where God told me to do something, and I punked out. Now, I don't need a show of hands, because most everyone, if you're honest, will raise your hand. One time, I felt like God was telling me to do something, but I just said, oh, no, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. Because, what, you have fear of man issues, or you just didn't think it was going to go real good, or however, you just, you just didn't do it. You're absolved. So you can't do that. I just did. How's that? Because uh, you know what happens in a situation like that? Satan gets into your grill work up in here and he starts messing with your mind and he starts, oh, see, you didn't tell him. You didn't tell him. You didn't tell him. Look at you. Say you're a Christian. And I, that's what he does. That's, that's his game. That's, that's how he plays it. I don't want to do that. God knows that we're made of dust, right? He remembers our frame. He's, you might have disappointed yourself. It was, he, was he disappointed in you? Oh, he's all, oh, I can't believe it. You left me high and dry. Now they're, they're going to hell and it's all your fault. No, no. 
But having said that, there is a real place for when God tells you to do something, you should just do that. Because even if it goes sideways, you can say like Paul, well, I, I tried. I, I said what I felt like had to be said. Hey, hey, welcome to my life. Welcome to my life. People come and people go. Preach to the parade. That's what Ken always told me, right? What happens when they go? Well, that's okay. If they go in another church, great. If they go nowhere, uh, really? But I tell them, I do the best, and, and I say what I feel like. I pray about this, right? And that, that's all you can do. Feel, do what you feel like God's calling you to do. Otherwise, you're going to keep kicking yourself. That time that you punked out, those times you punked out, you're going to go away and you're going to say, oh, I should have, I should have, I should have, I should have. Don't let Satan play with you. You say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Give me another chance. I want to I do And by the way, God's beautiful that way. I mean, his tests are pass or repeat, okay? He's, you know, I give up. I give up. On, I'm washing my hands of you, okay? I'm, just, I'm done with you, says God. No. Says no loving father ever, and certainly not our loving heavenly father. He's never done with us. So, Paul's, I, I, I told you, and I told you, and I told you, you don't want it? Okay, I'm going to the Gentiles, because I know I'm going to get an audience there. Does he? Like, only always. Because they love the, uh, the God, wait, God, there's a God in heaven, a creator God, and he sent his son from heaven to earth to die for us? Wait, what? They eat this up. The gospel. Who doesn't? They understand it. I, I did. I'm going to the Gentiles. He departed thence, and he entered a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, which, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. So he goes next door. Uh, okay, I'm leaving you. Out he goes next door, and he goes into Justice's house, uh, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. They had an adjoining wall is what that means. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians, uh, Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Corinth is the debauched city of the time. Uh, it's uh, Las Vegas of the time. New Orleans, rolled into one. Uh, we have some certain pockets in, uh, in America where uh, sin is rampant. Uh, I can think of uh, San Francisco. Is that debauched? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Central Maine. Yeah. <laughs> Probably everywhere in America. Look, um, by the way, there was an article. Uh, what's the least Bible city in the United States? City. Lewis and Auburn. How about that? God brought the heathen right to our doorstep. No, I'm, I'm not... Uh, out of the top ten, about eight or nine of them were in either uh, New England or, uh, or New York. Uh, like, I think Boston was either second or third, my hometown. I think Albany was fourth, Sousa's hometown. <laughs> so, we, we, we're living in like, nobody, nobody knows nothing up this neck of the woods. And it's, it's weird. I mean, we get this Puritan heritage. Our forebears came here. To share, to, spare, to share the gospel. Ivy League schools were built as places where they could prepare men to inhabit the pulpits of America. Incredible. Uh, it's changed. And, other, and a couple others in the top ten. One was um, San Francisco, and, and I think uh, Las Vegas was in the top 20 or something like that. So we have you know, places in America that are just debauched. This is, this is 
sin sick. If you call a girl like a Corinthian girl who wasn't from Corinth, you would get your face slapped. You, you, if you were telling, if you, you called somebody Corinthian, that would, then it's go time. Those are fighting words. It, it, you know what I'm saying? So this is what he's up against. And here he is. Will the gospel take hold in such a such place? Of course it will. Of course it will. That's, that's, that's who needs the gospel. Listen, the, your pastor was like a, a sinner among sinners, just chief of sinners. And the, when I heard the gospel, wait, God loves me? Really? He shouldn't, you know. <laughs> it's like he does anyway. Really? And he, he, he died for my sins? Listen, when somebody throws that life preserver, grab it like a rabbit. What are you waiting for? I, I, anyway, so the chief ruler of the synagogue, he, he gets saved. Now, he doesn't become chief ruler anymore because that's taboo, so off he goes. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. In that depraved culture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a dark place, the light shines awfully bright. So, um, our sister was talking about, what did you say, 40 42 million worldwide last year and 61 million in America alone. 61 million in America since Roe v. Wade. Right. That's a lot. Are we in a dark place? I suggest we are. And by the way, if our president gets one more Supreme Court nomination, oh, that'll be great. Oh, yeah, I guess it will, but brace for impact. You ain't seen nothing. So we have all these Corinthians believing and and being baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night in a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. God, are you kidding me? This is Corinth. This is sin capital of the ancient world. God says, yeah, I got a lot of people there. And here's the thing. I want you to speak, and don't worry about it. Uh, I'm going to be with you. And Paul could have said, yeah, weren't you with me in Derby? And I got stoned there. Weren't you with me when uh, me and uh, Silas were uh, in Philippi and we got uh, beaten and we ended up in jail? Uh, and weren't you with me then? The answer is yeah. But here he's saying, he's making a very specific promise. Uh, Nobody is going to hurt you. I am with thee and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. And I'm sure that was to Paul like, you're kidding me. Are you, I, really? Nobody's got, I'm going to preach the gospel and nobody's going to hurt me? Cool. Ten foot tall and bulletproof because God promised. Nobody's going to hurt you. Imagine a promise like that. Uh, we don't really worry about it, but you've got to remember Paul's, at this time he's got all these, you, you, you remember when we read about him and he's shipwrecked twice, he's pris, in prison, you know, and he's, you know, in, in, in perils by my own countrymen. And he gives that long list of all the things he's been through. You remember that? I'm sure when Paul gets a mess like this, he's like, God, you're so gracious. You're so good. Nobody's going to hurt me. How cool is this? And he continues there a year and six months. He's the longest place is here, okay? A year and six months. Um, he writes both the Thess- Thessalonian epistles here. He writes the book of Romans here. Uh, and so he's, and by the way, if you were like Paul's teaching every day for like a year and six months and you were showing up, you think you'd, by a year and a half, you think you'd know something? Hey, I'll tell you something, the way the Bible works. You say, I came here, I don't know nothing from, no- I don't know an epistle from an apostle, I don't know nothing. I don't. 
It doesn't take you long to get your feet under you. It really doesn't. God will bless and he will show you things. And he will teach you. And it's not a, it's not as, it's a big book. It's got a lot of pages. It's got a lot of verses. And you think, I, I don't know, Isaiah. I, I, what is this all about? You, you'll get it quicker than if you are diligent. You get the right heart attitude. It's not an intellectual thing. I've seen some people who are not, I don't want to say anything disparaging. They're not great students, okay? They didn't get all A's. They can barely read and hold their own who do really, really well in the Bible. God will bless. I'm just saying. Uh, it's, it's not an intellectual, well, I'm the, I'm the sharpest uh, tool in the shed, so I'm going to get it quicker than anybody. It doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, if you bring that attitude of real pride and I'm awesome, you know, God will humble us, won't he? Okay, but if you come humbly, Lord, I, I don't know nothing from nothing. Help me out here. Will he? Yeah, only all the time. And you can, in a year and a half, you could be well on your way. You, it, it doesn't take that long. I mean, it, it just doesn't. Um, so he's there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And when Gallio was the deputy of Achaia, uh, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. Uh-oh, here it comes. Why? Because Crispus is the chief ruler of the synagogue. He's getting saved. He's leaving the synagogue. They're having an effect. And every time, you know, uh, the gospel makes any headway, Satan's there because that's what he does. And he's going to uh, have opposition. But God already promised him. So Gallio's a new deputy, new sheriff in town, right? So the Jews thinking, okay, we'll take advantage of him, and we're going to show him, hey, look, this guy, he's a, he's a troublemaker. And they, so verse 13 is saying, this fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. Does he care? Uh, he doesn't. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, whoa, 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 whoa. If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O you Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names and of your law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge of you in such matters. Would to God that people in the United States would take Gallo, Gallio and be the same. Everyone thinks they have a way. Of, everyone tells us how we should worship and what we should do and what we should like and what, what schools our vice president's wife shouldn't teach at. Everyone has an idea of how we should live our lives better than we have an idea. Everyone second guesses us. Uh, it goes with the territory. Is it going to change? No time soon. Not that I know about, right? So what do we do in a situation like that? Well, this guy got the right idea. It doesn't mean that people above us are going to have the right idea. And by the way, when they say you can't, you won't, you shouldn't, you just don't listen. I don't. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I hear, I'm, I'm listening to your words. I get it. I just don't agree with them. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't do that. I can't, I've got to be faithful to God. At the end of the day, that's the only thing that really matters, right? So they're going to, they're going to, uh, I, ain't, I ain't listening. So he drave them from the judgment seat. <laughs> I love that. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue. Wait a second, I thought Christmas was the chief ruler of the synagogue. I know, but he left. Now it's Sosthenes. And they beat him before the judgment seat. And Gallio cared for none of these things. Why? Because they're after Paul. And I think uh, Sosthenes, I think he's there like chief counsel. He's going to bring the case. And they won't hear the case. So they take it out on Sosthenes and he gets a beating. Which, by the way, Sosthenes ends up a Christian. 
what happened here? I don't know. doesn't really say. I think Paul found him and said, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling you. I understand it. I know how it is. You know, they're just, <laughs> they're, they're hell-bent on persecution, and I, I get it. And if it wasn't you, if it wasn't me, it was you. Because Paul was there too. He saw the whole thing, I'm sure. So they, they were beating on him. I bet Paul was the first there to minister him and gave him the gospel. And he ends up being saved later on. We'll see that. Galileo, he kept another of these things. After, and Paul, after he tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, sailed thence into Syria, and with him Prisca, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Prisca is short for Priscilla, and they use them both. But here it is, Priscilla and Aquila, right? Not Aquila and Priscilla. Here it is. Uh, he, so he goes to Syria and he takes with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Centuria, for he had a vow. Now, I just want to talk about a vow briefly, last point, because our time's expired. Paul's Jewish, and he takes a, this is a Nazarene vow, shaves his head, and they let your hair grow for such and such a time, like for Samson, it was supposed to be his whole life. For anyone who takes his vow, they let the hair grow for until they do what they promise God that they're going to do. They, they do the vow. And they have to go to Jerusalem. They have to make, by the way, they take the hair with them that they cut off, and that's part of the offering, and they make a free will offering. It's a burnt offering, etc., etc. I think this is a bad idea, and I think Jesus said as much. When you say, don't vow, just say, you know what I mean? Lord, I'm going to teach the Sunday school opening. We have an uh, opening in Sunday school. I'm going I'm to teach that. Do you have to make a vow? Because here's the thing, like, Lord, if I do this, will you do this? And we, get, we promise God, well, and, and in such and such a way where we've we're got his hand kind of twisted behind his back because we're going to keep our part of the problem, uh, our part of the bargain. We give him his part of the bargain. He's going to keep. And then we got to, one, you have faith that you're going to keep your part of the bargain. I think that's not a good idea. I think it's not a good idea. Jesus thinks it's not a good idea. Have any one of you ever said something to God, you go, I'm going to do this new year. I'm going to read the Bible every single day. I'm going to go, I'm going to you know, give, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go to church. Every time the door's open, I'm going to do and you, I, whatever, whatever you promised. Has anyone ever, um, besides me, ever not done what they said they were going to do? Yeah, yeah, maybe once or twice. I think it's a bad idea. I think it's a really not, don't promise God, because he's going to hold you at your word. Two, you don't need to twist his arm. My kids are, Dad, I'll, if you don't kick me out of the house, I'll make my bed every day. Who's kicking anybody out of what? I wouldn't do that. I'm your father. I love you. I don't, we don't make deals. We don't, we don't have, you don't, you don't have to promise me something to get my love. It's not, it doesn't work that way with God. So I've, I've tried, oh, I've got to have this job or this girl or this situation. God, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. If you do this, I'll, and we make this. I think Paul's not doing something very wise here. Say, really? Yeah, he's like everybody else, fig- figuring stuff out as he goes along. It's a, it's a Jewish thing to do, and, and he's still, you know, he's Jewish. He's, yeah, but he's a Christian. I know, that's my point. That's why I think it wasn't such a good idea. Don't you do it. I mean, you, you say, well, I'm going to make this vow. I'm going to do it. Okay. If you're sure about it, go ahead. I mean, if this was God's work in your heart, did you pray it all the way through? Because I don't. 
I, I can tell you, I can tell you long stories about what, when I vowed and then n- not done it and then how condemned I felt about it afterwards and how Satan just used it to just rub my face in the mud and show me how, what a reprobate I was and didn't work out to my furtherance. I think it's a bad idea. Anyway, so we're going to end right there. Paul and his brief ministry, brief, it's a, it's a year and a half. We don't get a lot of uh, idea of what happened, but we got a few ideas. We'll end there and we'll uh, uh, start here next time. Uh, if I get stand and we'll uh, pray and our worship team will come and send us out of here in song. Lord, thank you for this uh, look in the word this morning. We so much appreciate you speaking to our hearts. Lord, thank you for the update that our sister brought to us. Um, I pray your blessing on that ministry. You know we've always been um, on board. And uh, I believe that's one of the reasons you bless us. Um, Lord, continue to bless that ministry, continue to bless us, uh, give us understanding here, Lord, and help us to take your word, not be hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses. And if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross where your love